This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Greg Johnson, how are you? Hey, Rockney, doing well. Friends of the Rocky cast, we have the legendary Greg Johnson. <laughs> And I'm so thrilled to have him on my show because Greg is like this man of many, many talents. He's a tech guru. He's a super good vibe guy. If you're in Iowa City, you might want to try to reach out for him to do some tech work, but maybe not. He might not be available because of today's topic. Um, but he also runs a website, Resources for Life. Um, he's a long-term Iowa City Johnson, uh, resident. His dad is Nick Johnson, who is a professor of law at the University of Iowa Law School, and also was the FCC commissioner for Lyndon Baines Johnson. So maybe, maybe Greg could sort of pull some strings to get him on my podcast if he would like. Yeah. Um, and, his, and his grandfather was Wendell Johnson. So this is a legendary Iowa City family, and I am joined by the legendary Greg Johnson, how are you, Greg? Hey, thanks for that intro. I guess I'm a few sizes larger on my head. So anyway. Yeah. Well, but... it's all deserved. It is all deserved. <laughs> because so... Greg, Greg set up my very first podcast, which is almost 3.1 thousand listeners ago. That's my total number of, of podcast listeners so far. Wow. Altogether. Yeah. No, that's great. And I think it speaks to the interest that people have in the kind of topics that you bring up, which is fascinating to me. Some of the topics are about books from 200 years ago, or you know, it seems like topics that you would not imagine would be popular because you don't have dogs on skateboards or whatever. Um, but it's, it's really interesting to me. And uh, what sparked this discussion, as you were saying, is kind of the simplicity that we're finding ourselves in. And some of that for me is uh, not even of my doing. You know, the pandemic came and I started noticing in phone calls with people wanting computer help, they would say, oh, can I do curbside drop off for my laptop computer or whatever? And um, I used to have to be driving all over the place, you know, fixing computers. And it was kind of an inefficient use of my time, uh, spending so much time in the car or on my bike riding around. And so it was kind of a luxury that came because of restaurants, you know, people would order food, they'd go pick up the food. So they got this mindset of, oh, I'm going to take computers, even though in the past I would have gone to their home, they just offered it. So it's really been great because I can be home to, um, take tech calls, do remote sessions, have people drop off items or pick things up and be here for shipments and everything. So it's really taken the business that I do, my service to people to the next level. Um, and let's back up a little bit and sort of, sort of give our listeners sort of the 30,000 foot view of kind of what we want to explore in this particular episode of the Rocky Cast. So Greg and I, Greg is a tech guru. Like if you're lucky enough to get him, like you are, you are in for a treat because Greg knows almost everything. And I have moved up here to Northeast Iowa 
Um, I'm now in Austin. I was in Iowa City. And Greg totally set up my remote office. He did Google Remote Desktop. He was the one that set up my podcast. And we were transitioning from my one office in Iowa City, which I still maintain a smaller one, to my one in, in, in Austin. And we were both sort of commenting that with the pandemic, we've kind of slowed down. And in terms of the number of clients that we take, but we've noticed that we've been just as busy as ever. And we are sort of thinking, wow, that's kind of nice because we are now doing better work um, with less clients and making just as much money, if not more, focusing on really servicing the clients we have as opposed to just volume. And that made me think of Marcus Aurelius and meditations, a quote that is very famous of his that I hope our listeners can, can read and, and, and utilize. But here's the book, it's Meditations, Marcus Aurelius. This is kind of like my Bible. Like I, I still go to church and stuff like this, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely a stoic. And it made me think, and so this will sort of set the topic for today's episode of doing less better. And so our listeners can get this wisdom. And it said, if you seek tranquility, do less. Or more accurately, do what's essential. What the logos of a, logos of a social being requires and in the requisite way, which brings a double satisfaction to do less better because most of what we do and say is not essential. If you can eliminate it, you'll have more time and more tranquility. Ask yourself at every moment, is this necessary? But we need to eliminate unnecessary assumptions as well to eliminate the unnecessary actions that follow. And this just resonated with me because, you know, one of my heroes is the great legendary Robert Noyce, developer of the microchip from Iowa. And I am gonna do a separate podcast <laughs> on him. But if you check YouTube, he gave a presentation like 1984, 1985, talked about the office of the future. And this technology has actually been around for preceding the pandemic, but it took a psychological shift for us to get used to being able to work from home and to ask ourselves mm. when, how much do we need to work at home and how much do we need to actually go into work? How much is the physical workplace actually necessary? How many of these actions are absolutely necessary? And so Greg and I are gonna explore that topic today and get into in job crafting and um, all those different uh, topics related to improving your life to do less better. We're gonna be kind of like what is it, Michelle, not Michelle Wong, but you know, the uh, woman that, uh, that does the decluttering movement, I forget what her name is, but she is someone who always said, if, if it's unnecessary, toss it. So Greg, take me step-by-step step with your life before the pandemic, how you slowed down and how you did less better in relation to your practice. Describe for listeners what type of business you have and how you eliminated those unnecessary actions. Well, you and, and most of the listeners will remember March 13th of 2020, um, when everything was declared to be shutting down, you know, because of the pandemic. And so uh, people stopped going to work, schools were closed, you know, everybody was kind of quarantining at home or uh, sheltering at home. And so on March 14th, Saturday, I was at home and it was quiet. 
it was the phone wasn't ringing. There were no emails, you know, <clears throat> and I thought, well, I might have to take up a hobby or something because and then Sunday it was quiet and I went for walks those days and it was so quiet outside, you know, the I didn't hear the semi trucks on the highway that is several miles away, but you know how that is the noise from cars and there there wasn't traffic. The streets were empty. And so I went on my nature walk and for those days and and many days and weeks and months that followed, uh, I heard wildlife that I'd never heard before because it had been drowned out by the the noises of, of machinery, you know, and um, it was such a contrast. And I, I remember when everything started coming back to normal and then I would hear lawnmowers and airplanes and, you know, just, I couldn't hear the birds at all anymore because it was being drowned out again by industry. But anyway, so that weekend after the 13th, I just really wondered, you know, what was going to happen. And I remember the the clarion call or whatever it was, you know, we need to put in, cease everything that's non-essential. And I thought, okay. And then I started thinking, you know, what have I been doing that's essential? What really is essential? I couldn't think of anything. I, I, you know, I can just go for walks. You know, all this busyness that we keep busy with uh, and, and our business is like not, I know there's some people that are essential, healthcare workers and and even, you know, restaurant workers are essential for people to enjoy getting together with friends. But it was just kind of a moment for me. So I took a step back. I started thinking about what is essential. And so the walking, you know, I was walking, biking. Well, then by Monday, everybody kind of had regrouped that weekend. And they got their computers home from the office and all that. And it's been kind of nonstop seven days a week since then, because the people that had IT support at the office or on campus in an academic setting, they didn't have that anymore. They didn't have the person down the hall that could help them. So I became the replacement for their IT person at work and at college and whatever. Um, and retired people who had been getting together with friends and socializing, they weren't doing that anymore. They were at home. They were on their computers. They were doing Zoom. So I've had just a big increase in the demand among those who I've already been helping and then their friends who have been told to call Greg you know so um, it's it's been nice and it's been a change and it's really helped me as you mentioned this mind shift of people realizing that they can use Zoom they can do remote things um, and that would have been just single-handedly if I tried to get people to do that it it's just impossible to change a whole culture, you know, but uh, the pandemic has done that. So now I can do training remotely with people. I can fix computer problems remotely. And because of the increase of demand, as I've described, I've really had to figure out ways to help more people with, it's still just me, you know, I don't have a, yeah. a staff. So I um, also did some sort of podcasting, you'll recall, with some teaching about how to decide what printer to buy for home, how yeah. to decide what laptop computer. And my point of that is, you know, some of that is written articles that I put on my website and others might be a video on YouTube and others might be an audio recording. Somebody can listen to while they're driving or whatever, but it's information going out that I would normally schedule time and spend an hour with somebody helping them decide what printer to get or what laptop to get. Well, now they can watch that on YouTube or listen to it through a podcast or read an article. And I'm able then to 
kind of multiply myself that way. Yeah, no, and, I love that. I yep. totally love that. And so, so essentially what we were talking about is this question of doing less better and you're really able to leverage your time more effectively. I'd forgotten the name of this woman from Netflix, but her name is Marie Kondo. If you've never seen that, it's a great show. It's about decluttering your life, removing what is unessential and focusing on what's essential. And it's amazing when you do that, the level of well-being and tranquility that you have um, when you do that. So you did that professionally. You, you were leverage your time you reduced unnecessary actions. I mean, biking or traveling to someone's office doesn't really do anything. So how did you go about that, of really removing the unnecessary so you could focus on the necessary actions? Yeah, I, a part of it was just a real desire to help people, which I've always had. And that's why I do the tech work is that's my way of helping. And so many people with so many needs, I, I wanted to make sure everybody had those needs met. And the only way I could do that then was to eliminate these unnecessary things. And initially it was, society was kind of shutting down for a little while to figure out, you know, what are we going to do about the pandemic? And uh, we didn't have vaccines. They were trying to track down masks. And for a while people were getting, you know, bleach or something to clean surfaces and all that. But um Really, it became a matter of figuring out what did people need, what were the greatest needs, some of the common questions that would come in, and then just immediately provide really kind of for free hours and hours and hours of tech support through videos or articles to address the questions and challenges people were facing. And then when the support need really required me to be involved, I would do that. Um, and something I, I've been working toward is the idea of training more people to do tech work, at least in this city. That's all I can do is try to influence the city uh, yeah. where I'm at. Um, but that would help because then there could be people scattered around the city who kind of work together to support one another, but who are tech people. Um, and I, I think that would be a, a benefit to the community because right now you have really not many choices. If your computer breaks and it's under warranty, the manufacturer might send somebody to fix it or uh, they're big box stores that offer some geeks and tech support, you know, but mm -hmm. it's not enough to cover the, the real support needs of everybody. And so people kind of slip between the cracks and by training yeah. more people it would be a help. And so I, I think the other thing too is, I think with the, um, with the pandemic, I think a lot of people were sort of initially upset because it's a question of they can't control things, you know, yeah. and, and one of the <laughs> podcasts that I came across is I think it's called the, the happiness lab. Hmm. Um, I think it's Lori Fardo or something like that. And it's, um, you can get it on Spotify and it's just a really good podcast. And that's how I came across the concept of stoicism, obviously very well known. And a professor out of Wright State University, I believe his name is William Irvin, he talked about Epictetus, which is, you know, and, he, and the very first line is, is you focus on what you control and let go of what you can't. Yeah. And then, and then on the things that you can't control, you don't worry about them because you can't control mm -hmm. about them. So like right now we're recording this podcast or a very significant military conflict in Ukraine, which yeah. obviously I'm very concerned about, but I can't control anything about it. So I'm not going to, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to worry about it. I'll, I'll have whatever opinion I have. But I'm going to focus on my immediate surroundings. And that got me mm -hmm. thinking, 
well, gosh, once you start thinking about what you can control, it's actually a lot. You can control your desk. So I've really made an effort to declutter my desk. Yeah. You can declutter your time. You can declutter how often you have to go to work. And even if you go to a nine to five job, you can control how much you spend. You know, some people have less control, but they can control what their desk looks like mm-hmm. or, or the activities they do outside of work. And so once you start thinking, I did an episode called the Life Epictetus Life Audit. Think about, write down all the things that you can control and focus on those and then eliminate and focus on what are those things are essential and what aren't essential. And then focus all on the essential, your relationships, your friendships, your sleep, your eating, and then remove those things that aren't, that aren't, that aren't important, like meetings. Like I hate meetings. Like, so I really tried to avoid getting like, anything that I have to meet. It's like a waste of time. Um, and the well-being just sort of goes off the charts. I don't know if you've kind of experienced that as you focused on what's essential. Um, have, have you really experienced that? Yeah, for myself, and I'm noticing it with others, that the pandemic, which is sort of this uh, forced minimalism on all of us, you know, how can we live in our homes and work in our homes and all of that, it reminds me of that movie Groundhog Day. That's a little lighter than our other topics, but, you know, the idea that you're kind of living the same day over and over, you know, and you start to realize, oh, if that wastebasket was over here, I could do this. And oh, I should, you know, just put my pencils right here where I can reach them. And suddenly you're in this loop of working and living every day in the same environment, and it becomes more and more and more efficient. So every aspect of life, oh, you know, I'd probably sleep better if I would close this blind and then turn that off or whatever, like everything gets better. And so I've seen people where they're just experiencing super wellness and well-being uh, and for other people, it's been hard. It's been difficult. And you can tell that they've not adjusted well to it. And so it really depends on the personality. But for me, yeah, it's given me a chance to think about even for the simplicity of what food would be eaten or what exercise is needed, just everything. And, and, and it's amazing how much you can get done at home. You know, uh, this whole concept, I think that, you know, Oikos Neiman is like the, the economics of the household. And people start thinking about, well, what really can you get done at home? Well, it turns out you can get done a lot at home. Obviously, we all sleep there and would recreate there. But I've gotten in, so I got a, for my workouts now, I do kettlebell and a yoga mat. Mm-hmm. I got rid of my gym membership. I don't need to go to the gym. Yeah. Um, you know, for meditation, I've done Wim Hof breathing, which if you've never tried is really awesome. You can do that in your bed. Um tranquility and and removing digital clutter also you can do that from home and then obviously you need to get the social and you need there are some things needed to go to work but i've started thinking about why am i paying all this money for rent at a large location when it's totally unnecessary when i can get all yeah. of these tasks done at home just as well and a lot of players thought people would slough off but as long as you set up a good work environment it's really amazing how much you actually can get done at home. And your tech work for me, it's just as good as it always been, if not better, because you can really do a lot of the stuff via the screen um, that you otherwise, you don't need to be there physically present looking over my shoulder. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. And I've, I've seen how people that otherwise would be at their office or on campus going from one meeting to another, lots of efficiencies there. Now working from home, these people are, super efficient like it's like star trek beaming them from one meeting to another they're just instantly to the next meeting 
uh, without any inefficiencies and without any negative impact on the environment from you know excess travel. Well, I and thought, such. for example, like my counselor is based out of Cedar Rapids. Mm-hmm. Well, before it's it's an hour session, which I always really love. Well, before I would have had to get in my car, drive there, and come back. Yep. And now it's like I just do it remotely. Um, it's the hour, and then I then I can get on with the rest of my day. So I think mm-hmm. it really is sort of really incredible in terms of what can be accomplished. So, you know, one of the things I'm thinking that I think might be kind of interesting for some ongoing issues um, is to sort of have you know tech tech update tech corner with Greg. Oh, that's and maybe nice. and maybe we could talk about a little <laughs> awesome thing called remote Google Desktop. Maybe people already know about this. <laughs> yeah, but but I really use. Google Remote Desktop to access my computer in Iowa City, and it looks just like I'm working with that other computer. So maybe if you could outline how awesome that is and how easy it is to set up. Yeah, because you know some computers there there are with Apple and with Windows, you can have sort of customized desktops. And when you're uh, Apple's introducing something called Focus, but Windows kind of has the same concept. You can have your browser and your desktop and everything set up for work, and then another one set up for home. But there are just some needs that an office computer can address that once, well, even for efficiency and kind of unplugging, um, people say when they work from home, they're, they're at work all the time now, you know. Yeah. But what you're doing is you're connecting to the office, you're working, and as soon as you push disconnect, you really are disconnected, you know, and yeah. it's nice. Um, Something that has kind of motivated me, it's something I've reflected on throughout these months of the pandemic, is that it's not just been the pandemic, it's been news stories where you see a tornado going through the southern states, you know, that tornado that went through. Um, I've seen tornadoes before. We had one in Iowa City. They kind of, it comes, it touches down, it does some bad damage, and then it moves on. These pictures were of swaths miles long of completely destroyed entire towns gone, you know, Um, that makes a person think that there was a fire recently in Colorado, 110 mile an hour winds with flames, everything got burned to the ground. And again, not just one house, but like an entire neighborhood gone. Uh, mudslides, rising waters, you know, there's so many kind of tragedies, unfortunately, going on with fires out west and drought and etc. What that does to me, for me, is it kind of motivates me to think, you know, if we find ourselves in a place that there isn't war, there isn't famine, there isn't a refugee camp because of people fleeing from those things, there isn't the mudslide and the earthquakes they've been having, you know, there've been earthquakes recently and tsunamis. I mean, I could go on and, um, and some people get sort of depressed by those things. I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's important not to get depressed about it, but to let it motivate a person to do good. But anyway, I think, you know, there's a big responsibility that we have you and I and others who are living in peace right now are not dealing with melting, you know, icebergs and fires and all that to have productive lives and to help others who are in need somewhere, you know, and to lighten the load. And to be, and, 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 you know, and and to focus on the areas in which we can have the biggest possible impact. You know, I, you know, you know that I really love the concept of permaculture and you were describing a design concept and permaculture is essentially a system of agriculture, which mimics 
um, uh, the environment. And so it mimics the, the, the area, the environment. So for example, in this part of the world, the oak savanna, you would attempt to essentially mimic that in terms of how you do with buffaloes and these sorts of things. Yeah. One concept they try to do is stacking functions where you try to do one thing and achieve five different things. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like that's kind of what you're doing with your own practice. So like, and I think one thing that's really cool when you do a consult with Greg is if you do the consult, you will then write an article about the consult. <laughs> exactly. And then, you will, and then you will post the article yep. on, on your website. Yeah. So then the person that you just consulted, you've left a memo of what you've told them with right. the links. And then with the and then with your um, the public, they can then find out about it because you've already published the the article. So I wonder yeah. if you could sort of concept or outline how you do one thing and achieve five different outcomes by doing that one thing. I love that. And, and in permaculture, we call that stacking functions. So you plant mm-hmm. a tree, and it produces fruit. It provides shade. It's good for the environment. It's aesthetically beautiful. It's, it builds the soil. It sinks the roots. One thing does five different things. I thought, well, that's a good concept for life. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. And um, I've been really trying to more regularly do what you described, where I'm I'm working with somebody. And sometimes I'll even during that period, let's say it's a one hour billable time, I'll make some notes and I'll tell them, hey, I'm going to research that after we're done. And so sometimes I'll just go and research something, write up the article and then say, hey, I figured that out. Here are the steps you need to go through. And I've been putting in a little extra time now, again, doing more with fewer people, you know, so giving people more and more. And anyway, so I'll, I'll get nice screenshots, have good illustrations, little arrows pointed to click on this button. Like it's the, the deluxe version, you know, and they don't have to pay anything for that. If I'm just doing it on my own time after a session. Um, and then when I do post something, I'm, I don't mention people by name, of course I wouldn't, but it's, yeah, quite often it's essential because, um, in fact, there've been a there's a common question that was coming in recently, uh, just as an example about Microsoft um, billing, and I've had a number of people ask that. So I thought, you know, I'm going to put together just a, a tip guide on here's how you log into your Microsoft account, check billing, show what's been billed in there, and uh, and then another common need is sharing Microsoft, what used to be called Microsoft Office, it's now Microsoft 365, um, because people are working at home and they want to share their office software. Um, But so those are some examples where even as an email question will come in, what I, many, many years ago, I would write somebody a really long email, you know, and um, I I never knew, like, maybe it wasn't even what they wanted or whatever, but I thought it's better just to write an article. And then my, my email reply is, Hey, I just wrote up an article and it'll have all the details you need. And then I can have embedded videos, I can have links, I can have pictures. It's much better than just like an email reply. Um, And often people, if it's something on here's how to fix that problem with your printer, they might need to refer back to that again in three months and six months. So now they don't have to keep paying me every time they have a problem with the printer. It's, oh, Greg wrote up this article for me. And, you know, they can go there. It shows them how to navigate the the menu. Uh, So I love that. That that is great. And um... You know, and I think really what that really illustrates is, is your stacking functions. The other concept from permaculture that I really love is, is that when you design your farmstead, you, you focus on those things that you do most frequently closest to your front door. And oh, so like with this remote office and then the things that are less frequent farther away, you're really focusing the bulk of your time 
literally in your front door, inside, and you're having maximum impact, but then you're using technology to maximize how big your front door and how big your apartment is in terms of your ability to help people. <laughs> so literally, the world is your office place, and you really have. I'm not a huge Thomas Friedman. I think we've seen some of the backlash against them, but I think this whole world is flat thing. I think there was something to that in terms of being able to you know, increase your productivity in a way that you do in which you can really leverage your time. Well, I get calls sometimes from people. I have multiple websites out there. So whatever somebody's searching on, they might end up finding me. So, you know, Iowa City Computer Support, Iowa City Technology Services, you know, and so the calls come in. And usually if it's a student, I might know, you know, the phone number is from Des Moines or Chicago or somebody coming to the University of Iowa, and it's a young person, and I'll ask them if they're a student. Then, because I've worked at the university, I know all of the free resources that are available on campus. So I'll give them this virtual tour of, well, you know, the help desk is over here and this, and they're amazed, you know, well, you can go to the library, there's a computer lab there. And if you need to have this fixed, you can get a loaner computer. Like they just got here first semester, you know, freshman year, they don't know this stuff. So that's kind of fun to do. Uh, Sometimes it's their parents, you know, somebody from Chicago calling, it's a you know, person I can tell they're kind of in their 40s or 50s. And it's, well, my son or daughter you know, has a laptop computer. They spilled something on it. And, and so I'll walk through this decision tree of um, what brand is it? And is it under warranty or not? And if it's really old, maybe it's time to buy a new one. And so it's this kind of concierge service. And then we get into, <laughs> get into the phone call. And the funny part is like a lot of people will have some skepticism. They'll say, wait a minute, how do you make money? Ah! <laughs> How can you especially if you're from Chicago? I've gotten those, yeah. I gotten those calls where it's like, hey, my kid's in trouble. Fix it. Fix it right yeah. now. And I'm like, well, I'm a lawyer, not a magician. Yeah. You can do sometimes. But, but with um, this, like on the website, I just say, you know, uh, quick answers are free, you know, because yeah. a lot of people just in five minutes, I can solve most problems, Yeah. you know, and I don't need to like set up an appointment and schedule an hour. It's like, let's just solve it. Um, so I say quick answers are free. And I also say local advice is free because quite often I realize, oh, wait a minute, your computer's under warranty and it's an Apple computer. There's a repair center downtown and I give them guidance to where to go. So probably eight out of 10 calls within a few minutes, they get an answer either to fix their problem or to take them somewhere where they can get it fixed for free. Um, and then the few cases where it's something really unusual then I say, okay, yeah, let's let's figure yeah, it let's out. Do the consult. That makes sense. so again, you're focusing on what is essential rather yep. than what's not essential to your practice. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of wondering, maybe at some point, based upon our listener listener interest, maybe we want to do like a tech update with Greg or something like that. Yeah. Are you seeing Are you seeing anything? So just give our listeners one thing that you're seeing recently that we should be on the lookout for in the tech space. Yeah. So here's what I'm encouraging people to do. Again, a lot of people stuck at home. Some people are retired and they're going to stay stuck at home. And, mm-hmm. you know, but what I've been telling people to do is get a hobby, yeah. you know, because some people are just on the computer and then they'll, of course, they're going to get into trouble, you know, like they're going to click on something, something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Poor computers just spinning all day long. I say, get a hobby, painting, art, writing, reading books, music, go for walks, ride a bike, get away from technology as fast it. as you can, you know, and I'm the tech guy, but I'm saying like, get away from it. So, and then well, that's a good point. But let me just jump in here because 
You know, I think so, so much, I think we, we sort of live in this sort of world where we don't have any boundaries, we don't have any barriers. And, you know, I've, I've been really into the fasting scene. Um, and, you know, I've, you know, right from the start, I kind of, I kind of wondered how much of a focus I should have with my podcast because I'm like, well, if I want to get in the algorithm, I really have to be narrow in terms of my focus. But then I'm like, do I want to be so narrow that I get bored of my topic? And I'm like, how the hell with it? I'm going to, I'm just going to start doing it and see what emerges. But the, I like the concept of fasting because it's not whether eating is good or bad. Of course it is. It's just when you do it, everything is a rhythm of life. And you start thinking about, well, it's not only food that I can fast on. What are the other things that I can turn off that are going to increase my well-being? How am I going to add by subtracting? And with technology, that is absolutely, that is great advice. So how do you utilize technology more effectively? You turn it off. I think that's mm -hmm. great advice. And you, and you unplug. So since that we, uh, we're talking about unplugging from technology, I'm going to read a little Henry David Thoreau. We're going <laughs> to have our little... We're going to have our little um, dead poet society of Henry David Thoreau, and he would not have loved. He would not have done remote work. Okay, so Henry would have. He would have told all these guys to be like, "I go to hell. I'm going to go out to my woods." Yeah. So, um, so this is my favorite quote. It's the most famous one, of course, from Henry David Thoreau. He said, "This is about the woods. So go out, take a walk in the woods, people. Come on." Um, this quote, page seventy-four of Walden, he says. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and to see if I could not learn what it had to teach, and not what I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life, living so dear, nor did I wish to practice resignation unless it was quite necessary. I wanted to live deep and suck out the marrow of life, to live so sturdily and spartan life as to put to rout all that was not life, to cut a broad swath and shave close, to drive life into a corner and reduce it to its lowest possible terms. And if proven to be mean, why then to get the whole and genuine meanness of it and publish its meanness to the world, or if it were sublime to know it by experience and to be able to give a true account of it in my next excursion. For most men, it appears to me, are in a strange uncertainty about it, whether it is of the devil or of God, and have somewhat hastily concluded that it is to the chief end of man here to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And I thought that was so good because, you know, I think with the pandemic, um, it all did, it confront, required all of us to confront our own mortality. None of us yes. knew how severe it was going to be. It has hit people. Um, my brother did get sick. He ended up surviving, but certain people ha haven't. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people have lost their lives and it has touched a lot of people. And so I think it really has required us to sort of think about what is essential and what does really matter and that we're not going to be around here forever. Um, yeah. You know, you and I had, I'm actually going through a divorce myself right now. And you and I talked about your parents' own uh, marriage and that your mom had died very suddenly at a young age. So I think that's mm -hmm. just another reminder yeah, uh, that, that life is precious and we have to seize the day. And, and I quoted Dead Poet Society. I'm haunted by that scene with, with Robin Williams. Wow. Where he said, you know, carpe diem, carpe diem. <laughs> and of course, Robin Williams is now dead. Yeah. But he now has entered the other side of it, literally the looking glass, and is now calling us to seize the day. So yes, I think that is great tech advice to turn the tech off. I'm wondering though, as a footnote to that great advice, uh, whether you have any things that you're seeing in the tech scene 
yep. maybe one one little kernel of wisdom that might help our listeners uh, adjust or or anything related to what you're seeing with some of your clients. So probably two kernels of wisdom. So number one would be, um, I've been encouraging people, and I'm not necessarily a Windows or Apple person or you know iPad versus Samsung tablet. Um, I actually use Apple and Windows. I have um, an iPhone, and I'm trying to grab my tech here to have a little show and tell. But you know, so I have my iPhone, uh, which the camera's not showing. Oh, they're invisible. There you go. I'll hold them up here. iPhone and a, and a Motorola phone, so an Android phone. And um, I like the idea of, you know, so much time is spent trying to decide between A or B, you know, yeah. like at the, the optometrist, A or B. Uh, and so people are trying to decide, you know, which pair of speakers should I get? Which computer should I get? A lot of time and energy goes into reading consumer reports and, you know, going on Amazon and searching and searching. So, um Recently, I, I had to decide between some different speakers, and I ended up just keeping both. Problem solved, you know, saved a lot of time uh, trying to decide between Android and iPhone. Eh, I'll use both. And what's fascinating is that each one has some really good strengths. Um, There's some things that I can do on my Windows computers that just can't be done on an Apple and vice versa. So um, and it keeps me fluid and digitally fluent, um, that digital literacy is assisted by having all these different devices. And even my like input devices, I use a mouse um, and then also a, t- a trackpad and switch between- It's invisible. Why is it, it becoming is, it's invisible? An... Why is that I have, occurring? I have is that like a ba- new technology? It like, is. Are you, are you developing some like trying invisible to be... technology? Yeah, they're, they're trying to beam me up. Oh, um, or something like that. <laughs> What's going yeah. on there? Yeah, I have my background on for uh, Zoom. We'll have to do oh. that. In the, uh, yeah. Oh, really? We can do that? Yes. I got to learn how to do that. Oh, so that's not. Oh, you, oh, that's not your apartment. Right. Right. No, it's not. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Well, I need to learn how. To, okay. Well, the next I'm going to learn how to do that. So I don't have this red industrial thing behind me. Well, you're you're going to be a minimalist with just a click of a button. You're going to suddenly have you know little bonsai trees in the background. Oh, and, wow. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, so, you know, it's helped to have a few different devices and t- to my side here, I have some laptop computers. I'll buy a laptop computer used for $150. I'll put in a solid state drive. I'll add some memory and I use a used computer every day. And it kind of reminds me, okay. And I'm a tech guy and I'm doing this work full time we don't necessarily have to have the latest and greatest and, you know, gear. Um, yeah. You know? Oh, Greg, I'm, we're recording this right now on a laptop that you got for me and you gave me a really good deal on it, but essentially it's a refurbished computer. And then my PC is an old one too, and it's been all redone. And so, yeah, I guess used equipment can be good if you get it from someone good and knows how to refurbish it and make sure that it has all the yeah. latest stuff. And I like to consider, you know, if somebody has the budget, there, there's some value to getting like a really nice MacBook computer or something. And so, but if, if I know somebody's struggling with, they need to do some work and they think they have to spend $2,000 to get a computer. And I say, you know, I'm using $150 used computer for many of my tasks. Um, and I also, it's a matter of being proficient and fluent in how to use old tech. Yeah. If I, if I was so limited that I could only kind of help people if they had bought the latest you know, supercomputer, um, that's easy. Anybody can do that. 
the thing that's hard is, you know, showing people how to use old tech and keep it going for years for little expense. And, that's now, and now really with, you know, the, as Chrome gets better and better, so much of it is kind of going, everything's online anyway. Right. So it's like, how much do you really need the Mac Daddy yeah. operating the hardware when you can just access that, you know, remotely anyway. So yeah, um, yeah that all. doesn't matter what computer you have. You're just with a portal going into some other system. So these Chromebooks are like $200 and you can be accessing the world, you know? Wow. That's, that's yeah. awesome. Well, so Greg, I, I, well, uh, I wanted to kind of tie in, that was kind of a long introduction to basically saying I've been recommending the iPad. Um, and I, and like I say, I don't want to sound like a, an Apple fan because I, I support all platforms or whatever, but the iPad is this like simplistic device. They're available for sort of like $330 and a person has to decide if it's going to serve their needs, but there's some people I know that that's all they have. They have an iPad, maybe an iPhone. They do their email. They watch their videos. They do word processing. They print out documents, read PDFs. Like they do everything with this 300, you know, basically $300 solid state device. That's so thin portable that can run for hours on battery power super light, small footprint to the environment. So that was what I would say is my biggest tip right now is to see if anybody can downsize and make their life very minimalist technically is just get a simple little tablet and get back to your life and go take pictures in the woods and whatever. And what are what are the bare bones iMacs at this point? I mean, in terms of like a good quality iMac, what, what are you looking at as far as that goes? Yeah, so, you know, that's the challenge. Apple computers have always been a little pricey. They're made out of solid metal and glass and they're nice and it's the operating system is good and they have good support and all, but um, they're expensive. So a, a basic iMac is about a thousand dollars. And if you take like the, the next little baby step up, well, maybe for some people it won't seem like a baby step, but it's like the $1,250 one is so much better. It It comes with more power and better ports and, it's just a better way to go. And the same thing is true like with their laptops. There's a MacBook Air that's about $1,000, but it has some issues in a way, I would say, some limitations that if a person's spending $1,000 anyway, they might as well get the MacBook Air that's like $1,200 and it's going to have more memory, more storage, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, lately I've been working with some old Apple computers and those serve well. So if a person really wants that Apple experience, they could get something that's a few years old, either through somebody selling one locally. Um, often you'll hear of a family member or somebody that's getting a new computer and they say, oh, I'm just getting rid of the old one, you know, so you can buy that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the, the nice thing about the iMac is that it is this, the new ones, the current ones, all of the, all of the Apple computers now, I think mostly, except for a couple models, have the new Apple M1 chip. And that new chip is very powerful. It runs very cool. So you don't have the fans just buzzing all the time, trying to cool it down and uh, uses very little power. And with some changes they've made to how their displays work uh, on one of the like MacBook Pro models, it'll go for like 20 hours on battery power. Yeah. Hmm. Um, But yeah, I just, I like the idea of for the person that can get by okay with a tablet, with an iPad to do their video editing and all that, and some cloud storage or the new iPads, not the $300 one, but like the 
models up can have more external storage and external keyboards and mice and displays and stuff. Um, I was going to, another kind of just show and tell is like this book with this is just like a fountain pen um, is I keep this by my desk. I, I use it too, but it's kind of a reminder to me of any new device, any new technology, any new kind of thinking about technology needs to at least uh, be as good as a fountain pen and a notebook, you know, yeah. It has to be reliable, simple, easy to use by anybody, inexpensive, accessible economically. I mean, I could, I could list a whole long list of benefits to just jotting down a quick note rather than trying to put it on the computer. Not everything can be written down on paper, but you know, many things like today's to-do list or some thoughts for reflection or whatever, um, there's something peaceful, calming, you know. I, I've developed a journaling practice and I um, could not do it even on like an electronic tablet. There's just something cognitively about the light. I mean, even when they try to make it like regular paper, there's something about, maybe at some point they'll be able to, but I have not found that to be the case. Technology kind of stresses me out, um, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of just uh, the texting and all that stuff. So I, I'm kind of a little bit of a neo-Luddite as far as that goes, but um, so I guess there's a lot of future topics that I think potentially we can discuss. <laughs> yeah. So Greg, thank you so much for being on this um, Rockney cast. Uh, we're hopefully we're going to do a lot more episodes into the future. You were the one that actually helped me set up the Rockney cast. So we, uh, we're still doing it. I'm going to continue to do it. And, um, and I'm also, this is going to be my last one with my clunky background because you're going to show me how to do some <laughs> of the, the, the background scenes too. So maybe next right. time I'll be in like, Tahiti or something like that. So, exactly. So, all right. Well, friends of the Rocky Cats, infinite gratitude to each and every one of you for um, tuning in, especially if you've made it this far. We're going to continue to do high quality content. Hopefully, we're going to have some episodes with Greg Johnson, and we're going to be doing my friend Clemens Erdahl. He died a couple years ago. We interviewed his daughter. We're going to be releasing that soon. I also was on Fasting with Diabetes, um, an episode that I recently did uh, on another podcast. So I'm starting to get some invitations, other ones, but Everyone's doing podcasts, so why not me, right? That has to be our theme. So thank you so much, friends, for the Rocky Cast. Until next time we gather on the Rocky Cast.